Hello and welcome to Views from the Market, Mid-Market Private Equity and M&A in Canada. My name is Mario Nico, and I'm a partner in the Private Equity and M&A Group at Stipendi. For today's podcast, I'd like to welcome our guest, Larry Dunn. Larry is a partner at Endurance Search Partners. Larry, thank you for joining us and welcome. Thank you, Mario. I'm going to start by saying I'm honored to be your guest today, and I look forward to a great exchange and Q&A this afternoon. Larry, we always start our podcast by asking our guests to tell us a little bit about themselves, about the fun, about what they do. So I'd love to start by learning a little bit more about your history and also about endurance. Certainly. Thanks again, Mario. Again, my name is Larry Dunn. As Mario pointed out, I'm a partner with Endurance Search Partners. We're established as a family office investor almost 15 years ago. And Endurance Search Partners is made up of not just myself, but Richard Augustin, our managing partner and Tiffany Clay Augustin, a fellow partner. Myself, I started my career in public accounting, traditional finance background, then in various finance roles of different size organizations throughout my career. I actually joined Rich Augustin as the CFO of one of his operating companies a little over 15 years ago. And we were fortunate enough to get connected with the search fund community. And since then, we've partnered with over 250 searchers, well over 100 deals, and we're active as board members as well. Endurance has been a very active search investor, both in the U.S. and in Canada. And for many years, I would say you've been active. And frankly, in the last few years, I would consider you very active in Canada. Thankfully for us, thank you. <laughs> and I wanted to start by first kind of talking a little bit about your experience as a search fund investor and the evolution of the space and what you're focused on in the space today and what you see in Canada from the search fund perspective. Sure, Mario. Lately, as in the past three years, we've seen significant shifts in the amount of capital deployed into software deals. Not really a surprise to us. Earlier on, if we roll back the clock 10 or so years, you know, the software revenue model was classically a license and maintenance model, which those of you that you know, have studied the search fund primer or will at some point in the future, you'll notice that recurring revenues, high operating leverage are some of the cornerstones of the search fund model. And when the software industry began to evolve to a subscription or a SaaS model, as it's most commonly referred to, the character of the revenue stream changed significantly and became a viable asset class for investing in the search fund model. Similarly, healthcare has become an industry, various forms of healthcare services have become an on-trend investment opportunity for the search fund investors. So I'd say that combination of the two over the past three years have made up well over 60% of the deals that we've seen done in the U.S. In Canada, we started to see some evolution. We're seeing more software deals uh, come our way, happy for that. But we've also seen similar traditional or old school B2B service businesses as well. When you look at the Canadian search fund space, Larry, do you see differences, fundamental or otherwise, from the? I mean, obviously our space is smaller, it's younger in some sense, it's not as developed. But do you see elements of it that are unique from the what are you know predominant trends in the U.S.? Mario, there's many similarities. I'd say the Canadian search ecosystem is somewhere between three and five years, maybe behind what we saw in the U.S. search ecosystem number of searchers growing rapidly, searchers embracing the model, internalizing it, as we say sometimes. Slight difference being the types of businesses that we see. Up in Canada, we're still seeing probably predominantly 
still B2B service businesses, some software companies, but the old school businesses, really, that's where the search fund model was born out of. Larry, you've been an active search fund investor for a long time in the U.S. You've really seen the space grow, evolve, change. You know, when you look at the space in the U.S., and I'll be honest with you, I'm asking this question knowing, looking to the crystal ball for Canada, but where do you see the focus of the search fund space in the U.S. now? Obviously, other than the rapid growth, what other indicators are you seeing in terms of where the space is growing and going in the U.S.? It's actually a great time in the U.S. We're seeing a greater number of former search CEOs that have operated and had successful exits coming back to the space. And this is really what perpetuates the model, coming back into the space, not only as mentors, but as investors individually, as board members. And they're bringing a wealth of experience that they've accumulated, let's say, over the last 10 years as operators and in industries that you know, have increased in terms of software, you know, the, the challenge that we face is many times the scarcity of board members and board capacity. And now with this next call generation of investors and board members, we see that future great number of searchers is keeping pace with the last few years and foundations there, and we're just building on it. I think one of the unique characteristics that I've noticed, I think we've talked about this in the past, is that the Canadian searchers tend to be a little bit older than the traditional kind of U.S. predominant model or characteristics of a searcher. And I know there's a different perspectives on the benefits or the drawbacks of having older searchers, you know, people who maybe aren't straight out of business school. They got some years of service, they're older, they may be their 40s and 50s. I want to get your perspective because, you know, you obviously are at the front lines. The U.S. model so built off some of the the key business schools are driving some of the top talent from the key business schools. What is your perspective on what you've seen over the years when you compare the young grad versus the more seasoned veteran getting into the search fund space? This is a terrific point. Operating two companies as we do currently, in addition to investing as a family office, we see the challenges of running businesses day in and day out. And that's what makes us a little bit different as far as the search fund investor community. We're dealing with the same problems that operators deal with, and you know, we've got empathy for search CEOs. Now, to the point about uh, slightly maybe more advanced in their career, whether it's Canadian or U.S., given the challenges of running businesses in this current environment, um, we've gone through a pandemic. Now we're going through maybe possibly the early stages of a recession, an inflationary environment, higher interest rates. Searchers who choose to pursue the entrepreneurial path after several years of working in various roles will probably benefit from that experience when they acquire a company because they've seen some of those challenges on the line in those roles. The complexity though of search is its own beast in many respects. A number of searchers have never experienced the type of quote emotional setbacks that searchers will encounter, cold calling, outreach, challenges with business owners who may not be sellers. But to those that have worked for a while, they're bringing a different level of experience to the search process, perhaps a higher level of emotional maturity to the process. And then as operators, again, as I started to say before, they can draw upon that experience. The key to those that are even more advanced, let's say sometimes referred to as mid-career searchers, it takes a lot of stamina and a lot of fortitude. And when you reach that mid-career, very often you know, there's some discovery in the search process that it may not be for everyone. And it may lead to 
just some search fatigue at times. No qualms about freshly minted MBAs. We've seen quite a few that have come out of top tier schools, great experience before they went into B school and bring a lot of knowledge and intellect to the search process and a lot of energy as prospective operators of businesses. Larry, I know the way you kind of drill down in terms of determining what you're looking for in a searcher is unique in terms of your perspective. I notice as the space has evolved, the what people look for in searchers has kind of evolved too. I see it in the way people draft their PPMs, but also in the kind of response that they get from you in terms of what you're looking for. What If you were to say your focus today in terms of the characteristics of a searcher that you're looking for, how have they evolved? What is it you're particularly looking for now that maybe was different from the past? We've seen so many PPMs over the last 15 years. Searching prospective searchers need to think of their PPMs as really as their calling card to the extent that they can differentiate, tell a story and differentiate their experience, the types of industries that they'll pursue. It's really their opportunity to express themselves, share how they've dealt with setbacks in the past, the breadth of their experience. And really, when we talk about sample industries in the PPM, it's an opportunity to audition really their level of understanding of the search fund model. How well have they embraced what they've read, whether it's the papers that have been published, whether it's YouTube videos, whether it's conferences that they've attended, all that exposure has to assimilate and best if they can differentiate themselves in the PPM. Not easy to do. There's a lot of cutting and pasting that goes in the PPMs, but we get excited when we see something a little bit different and that draws our attention. As far as traits, characteristics, and prospective searchers, once we engage in a dialogue, some of it's should be fairly obvious. Good, strong communicators. Can they tell a story? Can they relate to us? Um, when they begin their outreach, they're going to be speaking to business owners. Can they tell a story to a business owner? Has to start with their conversation with us. Are they coachable? We'll challenge perhaps the sample industries that you know, they express in their PPM. Will they listen to our feedback on those sample industries? Will they have the ability to defend in essence, their views on why those sample industries may make a good acquisition. They don't need to be like perfect, but clarity of expression in the PPM. Humility is important, again, along with empathy in these days. Fast forward to acquiring a business, right? Many of these businesses are complicated themselves, and first-time CEOs may not know as much about the business or about the subject as many of the people in the organization. So there's a great paper on managing people who know more than you that sometimes will point searchers to when they have a complicated business under LOI, understand the people that they may be managing in the future. Empathy today couldn't be more important. The challenges that all of us face at different points in time have to be able to relate to people. Spoke to a search CEO team operators earlier today, and they said that you know, they finished the week really strong last week, but today they woke up to four of their employees having various challenges. So you have to be ready to deal with those things. And those are some of the characteristics that we look for. One of the things we've seen in Canada is that it's obviously not only the growth of what I would call, or we would call the traditional search fund, but the growth of the self-funded search. And it continues to really grow uh, almost exponentially. And obviously some of that has to do with the fact some people can't get funds for traditional searches. What's your perspective as we see, and I know it's growing in the States as well, as you see more and more 
self-funded search. What's your perspective on committing to or getting involved with or funding self-funded searches? So we're proponents of ETA, regardless of the vehicle, whether it's traditional funded search through an incubator, which propagated in the U.S., or through self-funded. When we have the opportunity to meet a self-funded searcher, we're happy to engage with them, share our resources, which we've accumulated quite a few and made available on our website, nothing, nothing behind any door. What we explain to self-funded searchers, engage with a small handful of investors that they've come to know, that they've been acquainted with, and treat them as though it was a funded search. Put out a monthly or a quarterly update, stay engaged with them, and if they find a larger opportunity than, than the traditional self-funded searcher looks for, then at least they have some capital that's queued up. We get to know them along the way and their journey will be underwriting a deal, but at least we don't have to underwrite the self-funded searcher at the same time. And the differentiator, again, really many self-funded searchers are the type of individuals, again, from our experience, not to generalize, they're looking for smaller businesses that they're happy to roll their sleeves up in. They'd rather be their own boss. Could be something that they're looking for as a lifestyle business rather than the pressures of the search fund economics of a targeted 15% annual growth rate, 35% IRR. And we respect that. Many great self-funded searchers have had success finding businesses and growing them to scale far beyond some of the funded searchers. I always ask our guests, it's a, the crystal ball question, you know, from where they sit, where they see the market going, what are they seeing the trends? What I've noticed in the search fund space, with all these macro forces out there, but the search fund space still going strong. There's a lot of activity, a lot of deal flow. What are you seeing in terms of the search fund space and M&A activity in the lower middle market where we live? And wanted to get your perspective on where you see the markets going from where you sit. So in terms of number of things, ways to address that topic, capital availability will start there. There's more capital available for investment in this asset class than there's ever been. That's the strength of the asset class, the resilience of this asset class. And the resilience is really a factor of people collaborating, working together as investors, not just as investors working together to support the asset class, but being supportive of partners to the community, whether they be the lenders, due diligence providers, QOV, insurance review, different technical review. So the, this is a model that has stood the test of time through a number of economic cycles and it's drawn capital in because of that, I think. Lenders, maybe a subset of that, the lender community in the U.S. has expanded quite a bit. When we look back to 15 years ago, there were one or two senior lenders. Now there are more than half a dozen senior lenders and there are a number of MES lenders supporting the capital structure for deals that we've seen. What we've seen in Canada, we've seen a favorable lending environment as well. And similarly, increase in capital available to support transactions. So Crystal Ball says it's going to be good. Cost of funds a little bit higher. Searchers have to model for that when they have a deal under LOI. Size of deals, it's something that's changed quite a bit. Over the last six or seven years, we've seen in the U.S. the size of deals that searchers have been able to get under LOI, in some cases, increase. So we've seen a number of deals above economic value of 50 million U.S. But on the other hand, you know, in recent times, we've also seen a similar number of small deals come our way. It has a lot to do with what searchers have been able to shake loose from business owners. 
and very similar again with our limited experience in Canada, but we do see a lot of parallels. Larry, I wanted to say thank you for joining us. It's been great to get your perspective on the switch fund space, its growth, its dynamic environment, and how you see it in terms of its growth in Canada. So I really appreciate you joining us and being our guest. My pleasure, and thank you for this opportunity.